the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. As we record this week's episode of the podcast, negotiators from the almost 200 countries represented at COP26 climate talks are still locked in a badly lit room, arguing the toss over a range of issues from how rich countries should compensate poor ones for damage caused by climate-driven disasters, to how often nations should be required to update their emissions pledges. In that respect, the annual bargaining session over how to stop global warming has been of limited success. However, connoisseurs of these annual political horse trading events have a lot to be positive about, and for shipping specifically, we can at least be assured we are now squarely on the agenda. We came we saw, we lobbied with gusto. And on the face of it, we've had some notable successes. The call from 14 states fronted by the US, UK, Denmark and the Marshall Islands, all asking for zero emission shipping by 2050, well, that was undoubtedly a good start. Yet, even with the heavy hitters like Panama now backing that demand, it's not clear that the momentum is going to be sufficient to persuade their 161 IMO member state peers to follow their lead. The more substantial display of firepower came from a coalition of more than 50 nations, particularly vulnerable to the effects of global warming. These parties backed an IMO greenhouse gas levy intended to bring shipping into line with the 1.5 degree temperature goal set down in the Paris Agreement. Now, the wording of that statement was particularly generic, but it does throw the weight of dozens of least developed countries behind a doubling of the IMO's current none too taxing aspirations. Unfortunately, not all of them have representation inside Albert Embankment, where the debate on the distribution of the revenues the scheme would create remains hugely contentious. The litmus test will be what happens when the IMO begins its discussions on climate later this month, once the circus has moved on from Glasgow. So, in order to dissect what this all means for shipping and where this leaves us as we head into the crucial MEPC 77 talks starting on November the 22nd, I've pulled in the collective expertise of two COP veterans. They've been at the centre of shipping talks in Glasgow for the past two weeks. I'm delighted to be joined by shipping's climate champion within the COP26 framework, Catherine Palmer, and chief executive of the Global Maritime Forum, Johanna Christensen. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get straight into it. Catherine, you were on the podcast in the run-up to COP talking about what a good or a bad outcome to COP would look like for shipping. Um, Now, I know we're talking before the final bell has been rung, but for shipping at least, how do you think it's gone? Was it a good COP or a bad COP for you? I left today feeling um, tired and optimistic. So... I think um, the shipping sector did a really excellent job of having a clear message and demonstration of action and commitment being taken by all actors across the ecosystem. And I think that came across really well. So I think that's that's credit to the partners that I've worked with. You know, Joanna's here um, from GMF and the Getting to Zero Coalition, but I can name others like... um, the ITF and UN Global Compact and and others that I've worked with, I think we credit to everyone to be able to to consistently put forward action, um, commitment that the private sector is taking in a coherent, consistent message so that governments and countries can really um, understand that 
they cannot decarbonize and, and achieve their own net zero targets if they do not include shipping in that and shipping cannot decarbonize if we do not have um that support um from from government so i think that recognition is is what i would take away is i think we achieved that so for me that's successful and i think we achieved that that there is this need for both public and private sector to to work together and and I think, you know, when you look at the specifics um, outcomes, there's some great examples of that, whether it's um, Operation Zero for decarbonising um, the North Sea, whether it's, um, you know, the Clyde Bank Declaration on a, a global scale, the, the recognition from those 22 countries that we need to put in place um, these first mover green corridors to test and prove um, the technology from across the whole value chain, um, bringing together ports, energy providers, um, ship owners, customers, you know, investors, finance. I think I think that recognition is is amazing, and this is just the start. So I would say this is the start, you mm. know, and, and hoping we get more on board. And now it, it's time to turn that into implementation. Mm, okay, I, Johanna, how about you? I mean, for those on the sidelines of these events or following from the headlines, it, it's often tricky to see where the progress is really being made. But the substantive discussions and the, and, and the lasting impact is not necessarily in the detail of the final text, is it? I, I think it's kind of interesting because um, in many ways, I sort of think it was a good cop even for shipping, let's put it that way. It's, mm. It was a good cop even before we began. In many ways, there are so many things that uh, that happened over the course of the past six months or so that I think might not have happened without COP, right? It's It's been an event that's been on the horizon for a number of years now as a critical milestone. It's really helped to focus the minds of uh, companies, of large international organizations, of countries, of uh, organizations such as the Global Maritime Forum, UN Global Compact, and others. Um, and so from that point of view, it, it's been a, it, almost a, a forcing mechanism in a way <laughs> that mm. um, has brought so many to the table to figure out what it is that what is it that we can do both in the long term and in the short term. And from that point of view, I think it's already uh, a success for shipping. That's for sure. And then additionally, I think maybe one added element, and, and that's particularly clear, having been in, you know, having been there and having seen how things have unfolded is how, how much shipping has me, moved beyond its, its usual sphere, where it re, re, resides within a, a sort of the, uh, I don't want to say the narrow corridors that, that could be misinterpreted, but, but within a, a sort of a, a, a relatively well-defined space, we, ha we now have, you know, uh, heads of state talking about shipping. We have um, uh, foreign ministries of foreign affairs, uh, secretaries of finance or uh, treasurers and the like. Um, we, have, we have a whole range of different stakeholders from across government, from across a range of international institutions talking about shipping and how we all need to work together in order to fulfill some of the goals that, you know, that have been put forward. We've heard much of this before, but the point of COP is precisely what you've just described. It's not about shipping talking to shipping. It's about getting the message and that clarity of thought 
over to the decision makers in government who are then going to have those decisions in terms of policy. And that's been the important mm. and interesting discussion, I think, that's happened, as you say, not just inside COP, but in the run up to COP, we have seen shipping and transport and the supply chain generally much more front and centre in the discussions. And that is a step forward. I guess the question really is, do you think that's going to be sufficient to make progress within discussions at the IMO next, which is going to be the real litmus test to how successful those discussions have been over the last few months? Um, Catherine, perhaps we can start with you, because I mean, I, I've, I've asked you this a few times before in terms of how you think it's going to affect the next MEPC meeting, which of course starts on November the 22nd. But do you, do you think we're going to be carrying the momentum forward from this COP into MEP 77? Um, I'm going to say yes. I simply, uh, I think, you know, we've, we've got to look at this. I think for me, this, the role that the private sector plays in raising the ambition with the governments and giving the governments the confidence that the sector you know is aligned to science and the sector is taking action that gives confidence to governments mm. that this can be done and like Joanna mentioned you know the beauty of COP is to get shipping into all the different departments and not just the transport departments is which where we focus much more at IMO is on that that transport ministry but actually you know, whether it's trade, environment, foreign affairs, everyone sort of coming together. So I think the fact that that we're able to show um, the action that's being taken, that gives confidence to the government that this can be done. And then, you know, that then gives confidence back to the, the private sector that we can up our ambition and our action even more because we've got a little bit more certainty and direction. So you're in this kind of um, loop where, where each one is kind of reinforcing each other and, and therefore upping the, the the game. And I think, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic, I, I do think that given that it's so close, you know, we've just got a week in between, and I think that is going to be an advantage, that, you know, in the spirit of cooperation and collaboration, coming out of COP will play into MEPC because we're only a week apart mm. um and so and i i think you know there's more and more particularly when we start to look at what are the s you know this this kind of uh, momentum a number of countries now um on board with the the zero emissions by 2050 target which which we saw the 14 countries um sign up to that uh, at the beginning of, of last week but you know hopefully we'll have more on board by the time we get to to MEPC so I think and just getting something like that to give that kind of certainty and of the direction will help to unlock some of the other actions that can be taken in the private sector. I, I'm going to come back to that specific point in a second but Johanna just on that point of act now act fast which was very much the message that we left the last global maritime forum meeting only a few weeks back where the coalition of the willing the sort of the industry leaders almost were were shouting that the governments attending cop needed to listen they needed to uh, listen to the the progress and the momentum that was being made inside the industry and and, and match that in terms of policy do you, are you confident that that is going to be carried forward into MEPC uh, i like uh, like catherine i'm, I'm optimistic um, and I'm particularly optimistic around the alignment around the long-term objectives and the sort of the end goal that we need to 
that we need to uh, come in place. I'm also really optimistic that a lot of countries, uh, a lot of governments, uh, uh, launched initiatives and of, of varying kinds that that are all about what we need to achieve in this decade. And so that's both the First Movers Coalition uh, that was launched by pre- U.S. President Biden at mm. the in the first days of COP. Uh, mission Innovation, uh, Zero Emission Shipping Mission had a had a, a series of events uh, uh, together. You know. Uh, with the various partners, partner countries that are involved in that, as well as ourselves and the uh, McKinney Muller Center, uh, that are also partners in that uh, in that mission. Um, uh, we also had um, the uh, obviously the Clyde Bank Declaration uh, come out. So all of these are focused on things that need to happen in this decade, and that gives me a sense of optimism. Whether we will see that. Uh, come across directly in this next MEPC in a week from now, I don't know. But mm. certainly I, ma- I imagine that there's going to be concerted action over the coming, you know, the coming six months. On, on that accelerated ambition, I mean, we, 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 you mentioned the 14 states that have, have you know, basically got behind this uh, raised ambition of net zero by 2050. Do you think that MEPC is going to be able to accelerate that ambition in this meeting or are we going to see the rather embarrassing potential headlines where the IMO says we're going to think about it and come back to you in two years because that is not going to be a good look. Look, I, uh, I think there's something, there is so much pressure right now from the outside. I don't, I don't think that any of us that are involved in this, and that's whether we're in the private sector side, whether we're in a government or whoever we represent, however we fit into this wide spectrum of stakeholders that are involved in in aligning um, shipping with the science, um, none of us are, are can disregard the immense amount of pressure that there is from the from from the outside, um, from youth movements, um, from uh, vulnerable countries uh, from uh, from customers from all these different uh, parts of the system are 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 looking at us and and looking to us to uh, to make this transition happen and make it happen fast mm. um, and i don't I don't know that we're in a position to say what what will definitively happen in in two weeks from now but yeah. but I think there's a real momentum. And I think that can't be disregarded. Yeah, and I think, you know, Joanna's right that, that that momentum across all those actors, you know, we can move fast and we can um, accelerate. And and I think the more we do that, um, you know, again, it, it gives the, and if we can get that on the table in front of the governments at the IMO, you know, at, like we have done at COP, you know, we're giving them confidence you know, and by giving them confidence of what it is that the the sector is doing, because look how quickly I think that the shipping sector has come round to all agreeing that that long term target has to be net zero by 2050. I think as a sector, we're pretty much all aligned on that. And and now if if like you said, if if the short term steps of what's going to happen between now and 2030 and really starting to to put those actions that the private sector is taking in front of the governments i think that really does give confidence i think you know there was some 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 great work showcased you know during cop of really showing what can be possible and that giving governments confidence 
you know, to be able to to ratchet up the ambition in and and you know potential policies, um, I think is is a a positive loop, and I think that's what we just need to keep um, keep reinforcing. It doesn't mean now that the private sector can sit back and wait for the outcome of IMO before its next move. We've just got to keep moving because there will be other signals to other markets that will come out of COP. And when you look, you know, the signals to other markets around, you know, ending of of, of coal and gas or the, the ending of um, internal combustion engines for road transport, you know, these other signals are going to drive the energy markets and maybe some of the carbon markets and and ultimately shipping will be able to benefit from those movements as well because at the end of the day you know we want that same energy source so if those I think- other things happening signal provide signals to these other energy markets you know that can only make things better for shipping to be able to move quicker on on you know, building coalitions with other buyers for for energy or or positioning shipping for for long term offtakes on some of this ramping up of renewable capacity. So I think we can't just look at the shipping and the IMO. We've got to look at what other signals are going to come out of COP for other markets of which shipping is is dependent on. Mm. No, I think for me that that was the key takeaway. I mean. Uh, as, as, a, as a skeptical journalist, uh, you know, hearing what people are saying on stage and then listening to what they're actually saying on the sidelines, it has been, uh, I would say, probably as we expected. And I don't necessarily see a huge movement in terms of political positions. But the interesting thing for me is the enthusiasm and the genuine progress around things like green corridors as a concept, around the discussions uh, that accept we don't necessarily need the regulatory pace and clarity that perhaps the industry was looking for even 12 months ago. This is about first movers. This is about creating momentum within the industry. And those demand signals and the cross-collaboration between the supply chain actors, that really is the focus, I think, now for industry players who actually want to take that next step and uh, create some pace momentum within the uh, research and development that everybody accepts must now happen in order to meet these targets. And that's very interesting because that's not just a question of, you know, is the text going to support uh, specific actions within MEPC? The impact is going to be much wider than that. And that was coming through loud and clear when you were talking at the GMF, Johanna. Yeah, and I and I think that and that resonated, and we heard that at COP as well. We we heard how governments are are coming together in new types of constellations in order to push this forward and to to set nearer term goals and objectives and and to create collaborations that will unlock a lot of the um, these first barriers that we see. Uh, for example, in sort of green corridor collaborations and the like, right? So, so, so from that point of view, and coming back to Catherine's point around building confidence, if we can get some of those that early action um, moving, that builds confidence in the bigger goals as well. So again, you get this this ambition loop and this 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 positive feedback loop of uh, confidence building from private sector, from government, but but also you know, that that the, the longer term goals um, become much more attainable, the more we do in the short term. Mm. 
Yeah, and I, I think the 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 other. Oh, I mean, there was two other significant things I think for me about COP was was how oceans are much higher on the agenda than they ever have been before at a COP. And I think you know shipping is seen you know one of the significant ocean industries. So as oceans get much more high profile and integral to to you know we we need healthy oceans <laughs> and, and so there is another role there for for shipping as as we're, we're looking to protecting the the world's oceans and how they can be a climate solution you know so there's this kind of, of loop of you know oceans are a climate solution and, and shipping is 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 a climate solution and i think the other big point um that trend uh, that emerged during this cop was was the whole just transition and I think the fact that that is now front and center, and I think you know we've seen that, and we've seen that you know that was there in the Getting to Zero Coalition call to action. Um, it, it's there with the launch of the um, Shipping Just Transition Task Force with ITF and UN Global Compact and, and ICS, ILO and IMO to really put the seafarer front and center as well. And I think. I think we're starting to see this this kind of shift um, that is not solely like the the narrative has always been for shipping solely focusing on you know which fuel is it going to be. <laughs> mm. I think it's a much bigger question now and showing the interconnectedness of shipping to the wider um, energy and ocean ecosystem and the fact that shipping has a really significant role and governments recognise that. Well, I, I think I better let you two go and get some sleep after um, two weeks of back-to-back -back meetings and uh, awful canteen food. Was the was the food as bad as everyone says it was? No, I no 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 no. Glasgow has amazing food. I was I was quite enthralled with the <laughs> food scene around there. <laughs> yeah, and I would also like you know I'd give a big shout out to to the city of Glasgow for hosting. <laughs> Well, yes, thank indeed. you, Glasgow, uh, and also thank you, Catherine and Johanna, um, for uh, dissecting the COP. Uh, we will keep an ear to the ground in terms of what the final text looks like and uh, full coverage on noiselist.com. Uh, but for now, uh, for another year, uh, thank you very much and uh, thank you for listening. Thank you.